hey, this morning we got a special uh, occasion happening here. Well, it's just it's special because uh, Derek um, is speaking today. And so many of you already know Derek. He's been part of our church community since the winter and uh, part of a, a youth ministry internship that he has been working with us and doing so much incredible work. And um, he came back at the end of the summer and has continued to serve with us into this fall. And so we're, we're so excited to have him with us um, as a church, but we're also excited to have him share with us today. Um, just, just so we know, uh, you know, Derek is involved in youth ministry. He's coming alongside some of the things going on with Kids Quest, and uh, he's jumped into a whole bunch of other things, even some of the videos that you guys have seen or some other pieces of our ministry. And so it's been so good to have him around. So today uh, we get a chance to hear from him, and we just want to pray that the Lord would use uh, him as he shares the scriptures, shares from the scriptures, and shares this message with us. All right, so let's um, let's take a moment and pray. Our Heavenly Father, we just bring uh, Derek before you right now. We're grateful for his ministry within our church and how that sparks on um, ministry from not only him but others that are serving alongside him and youth and kids and other other pieces of uh, of our church community. And God, we just we would pray in this moment uh, for him. Um, but also pray that we would be present to what you're doing, to what you're saying, um, to how you want to get our attention today. And we tell you right now that we are open to you getting our attention through the scriptures, through Derek's message with us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you, David. And first off, good morning, everyone. Hey, I miss seeing you all here. I miss seeing all your faces here on a Sunday morning. And I look forward to the day when we can see each other again soon. You know, 2020 has me, uh, reminds me that uh, not everything goes to plan. You know, when I entered the ministry and decided to accept that calling, I had a vision of what it might look like in my head. And then I started preaching out west uh, a number of times at this church in this town called Eyebrow. Never thought I'd preach in a church in a town called Eyebrow. It had orange carpets and it had about 20 people there. It was a beautiful little setting. I also got to uh, minister in this youth group that we planted there. And it was a, the town called Karenport where my school was. And this place was unique because many of the youth were professors' kids and academics' kids. And I remember I was preaching one time or speaking on uh, the fall, and I said this quote that I love, we bit the apple, now the apple's eating us. And this kid raises their hand and they say, did you know that it's probably not an apple, but it was actually... Theologians believe it was a passion fruit, and there's theological significance there. I'm like, what's going on here? And now here, I'm preaching primarily in front of a camera. Not exactly what I envisioned when I first entered the ministry, but God works in wonderful and mysterious ways, and I'm happy I can be with you here this morning. Uh, This morning, we're looking at Romans 1. Romans 1 is a book written by Paul, and we're specifically going to touch down on Romans 1.16. It's a verse that says, for I am unashamed of the gospel, for it is the power to those, is the power of salvation to those who believe. And this verse for me was one that I memorized very early on. During my youth group years, there was this rap group called the 116 Click. It featured rappers like Lecrae and KB. And during my youth group years, this was very formative to us because we all listened to their music. It was a big part of our youth group culture and my friends, and we all went to their concerts. This verse proclaimed all the time, but it didn't always stick with us. 
I don't think it always, while it was on our minds and on our t-shirts, it wasn't always in our hearts. And that's why I was thankful for the opportunity to come back to this verse that was so formative for me in my high school years. And look at what Paul really meant. So if you have your Bibles at home, you can flip them open, or as my theology prof used to say, everyone turn on your iPhones now, please, to Romans 1. We're going to be going eight, verses 8 to 17. It says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I'm serving my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you, that I may impart some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to come to you, but I've been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I've had among the other Gentiles. I'm obligated to both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That's why I'm, I am eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. And this is where we'll really touch down. For I am unashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now, when we read this passage, there's two ideas that really stick out right away. First, I think this passage tells us a lot about Paul's mission. A lot of the epistles start out with a greeting that tells us a lot about who Paul is and what he's doing. And also, obviously, something that really sticks out here is his calling to be unashamed. Now, when we see Paul, we see Paul writing to the church in Rome, and he's telling them about different aspects of his mission and in his greeting here. One of them is Paul keeps track of the church ministry. Specifically here, the Roman church, Paul wants to go back to them. A key component of Paul's ministry is to continue that relationship. He's not just a one and done. He wants to come back and be with them. He also says that in my spirit and preaching the gospel of his son, we see right here, Paul is a preacher. He's an evangelist. He wants to share the gospel. And that's the gospel that he's unashamed of. We also see that Paul's praying for them at all times. Paul's a prayer warrior. A big part of his ministry is prayer. It's not a side aspect. It's a part of his ministry. It's a part of what he does. He's lifting them up in prayer at all times. When Paul talks about the gospel and the spreading the gospel, you better believe that he is praying for that. And then, find, or then another aspect is we see he wants to impart a spiritual gift to them. Spiritual gifts are a big part of Paul's ministry as well. Uh, we see this uh, specifically in 1 Corinthians. It's a part of his philosophy of ministry. It's how he views the ministry is through spiritual gifts in the church. It's how he sees training future church leaders. And finally, this is a big one. He wants to see a harvest among them. He uses the ag agricultural language of the harvest in this call to evangelism. And that's where we see and it leads into the proclamation of the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of the kingdom of God. That Jesus died, was buried, was raised, and is coming back. We see this in 1 Corinthians 15. This is the gospel that Paul is talking about. It's the good news. It's the proclamation of the good news. 
And Paul calls it the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And that the gospel, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. This is big stuff. This is powerful. This is the gospel that Paul is unashamed of. This, is the, this gospel can have a response, rejection or acceptance, shame or unashamed. And Paul says he is unashamed. And here specifically, he echoes the words of Jesus that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And for me, I'm a farmer. I resonate with that. Just last week, I was back home on the farm. And we, have, we had this big equipment now. Uh, you should see a photo of that. And that's how we were doing corn harvest. And when I was little, my dad and my grandpa would go out there, and it would easily take them double the amount of time because they just had the two of them. They had smaller equipment. And now we had about five of us going at it and this bigger equipment. The harvest is plentiful, but we need workers in the harvest. We need workers who are willing to go out and spread the gospel because Paul wants to see revival. Paul wants to see the church grow. And you know, Paul's mission here, we can see many elements in it, but we can summarize what Paul's saying into this. His mission is driven by the call to spread the gospel and share the message of Jesus. Equipping people, first the Jew and then the Gentile, and the church. And that's his mission. This is the mission that drives Paul. This is the mission that has him unashamed. And that's where we see in verse 16 this proclamation. For I am unashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First the Jew and then the Gentile. Now when I read this passage, I'm reminded of a couple things. First off, I'm reminded of John 15, where Jesus tells the disciples that the world is going to hate them because of me, because of him. That the world is going to hate them on his account. That right away goes in the back of my head when I read this verse. Another thing is the emotion of shame. What shame feels like. I think most of us have experienced this emotion in different ways. Maybe for you, it was when you were bullied or teased. Maybe it's when you had shame of failing a test in school or even university. Maybe it's just not being good at something. I wish I was a better hockey player. (laughs) I had friends who were hockey players, so I always had a bit of shame there when I could never keep up with them. It's a tough emotion. For me, one of the earliest times I remember feeling this emotion was not necessarily with the chickens in the river, but it was when I got a, my parents got a phone call from my Sunday school teacher saying she was done with me, saying she was done working with me, I was impossible, and I better just go sit in the service with my parents. And yes, I see the irony in that, that I was that kid, and now I'm dealing with kids and kids' ministry and kids' quest and youth. I do see the irony in that, trust me. And I remember my parents going to me, and I, I remember the spot. I was young, but I was in my room, and I just started bawling. I started crying. I had such shame. that she, I was so bad that she would have to call to tell them. It's not a nice emotion. So think about that emotion, and then consider, have you ever felt that emotion when it comes to the gospel? And you know, I think this can come in different variants. I think this can come in different extremes. When we're in this situation, when we're in the place where we are asked the question about Jesus in a non-Christian environment, we can take different extremes. One is we just don't speak up. Let's say you're in your workplace and they're talking about Jesus. 
And you just don't say anything. You go to the corner of the room and you say nothing. <laughs> There's a, that's one extreme. The other extreme is where you purposely downplay it. Where you say, no, I, I'm, I mean, I go to church, but I'm not with all those crazy Christians. You purposely downplay that. That might be another one. But I think many of us are in the middle ground. We're kind of in the neutral where we passively say, yeah, I'm a Christian when people ask. We'll never bring it up. But if we're asked and put in the spot, yeah, I'm a Christian. But then we direct somewhere else. Now, in a few moments, we're going to see what this looked like for Paul. But I want to remind us of Jesus' words here in Mark 8, verse 38. These are really serious words. He says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is a really serious calling. This is serious stuff. Jesus' words here are very direct. And it's a part of our calling to discipleship. Now, this is a calling that is not new. This isn't a new calling for us here in 2020. Did you know, in the early church, in about AD 200, one of the earliest depictions of Jesus in art form was drawn to mock was drawn to make fun of. I first heard this story in a Brooksy Cavey sermon, so I want to give credit to him for that. But we have this early Christian down in Rome in the barracks of the servant boys. And the archaeologists found this drawing. They believe it to be the earliest depiction of Jesus in art form. And in these barracks, there's a servant boy named Alexamenos. And someone drew this, and it's a picture of Jesus on the cross with the head of a donkey. And the inscription says, Alexamenos worships his God. Made to ridicule, made to make fun of Alexamenos, made to shame him. Now, interestingly enough, in the next room over, the archaeologist found another inscription. It just said three words. It said, Alexamenos is faithful. Now, I don't know if Alexamenos himself drew those words or someone who was observing him, but here we see this young servant boy in a pagan Roman culture trying to serve Jesus in all that he was saying and doing, even though people and co-workers were making fun of him. We see Alexamenos in a place, Rome, where, ironically, our book was written to this morning. <laughs> a place that's not easy to be a Christian. Roman culture was not easy to be a Christian. It was very pagan. Christians dying for their faith. For hundreds of years, Christians were being killed for what they believed in. And then you fast forward to today, and many of us, I think, want to say that we're unashamed, but we might do it in ways that aren't exactly what Paul was talking about. Here's a few examples. For many of us, being unashamed is that profile in your Instagram bio. <laughs> Putting that verse in your Instagram bio. Maybe sharing that post on Facebook. And that's how we proclaim we are unashamed. We've never shared Jesus with anyone in person in our life, but we got that verse there. And I want to say, not all these things are bad. Not all these things are bad. I'm not um, saying everything here is bad, but it's not enough necessarily in how we want to be unashamed. Another way is we boast political allegiance. If you're American, we love to boast that we are Republican or Democrat, maybe if we're Canadian, conservative or liberal, and the morals that go with these parties. And we are very unashamed of our political allegiance. But I don't think that's exactly what Paul was talking about. To be unashamed of the gospel did not mean to be unashamed of being conservative or liberal. 
or Republican. Another one is going to church. For us, being unashamed is just showing up at church or logging onto this live stream. That's why we act being unashamed. It's just attending, being there. But I think for Paul, he's a little bit more than that. And this one is a big one, through our actions. I, do you know how many people, specifically friends of mine, uh, specifically guys actually, tell me that their buddies find, ask if they're a Christian by the, because they don't swear. And they proclaim, yeah, I'm unashamed because I don't swear, because I don't use the F word in, a, in the hockey dressing room or at school. And that's how I'm unashamed. Or maybe it's people doing it through kind actions and just through Christian morals and following those ways of Jesus. And again, obviously not bad. We got to follow in the ways of Jesus. But you see, there's this quote, famous, famous quote by St. Francis of Assisi. And it says, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Doesn't that seem like a great quote? Doesn't that seem when you hear that like, wow, inspirational. Share that on my Instagram bio. <laughs> I have a few issues with that quote. Number one, St. Francis of Assisi probably never said it. And number two, I don't think that is exactly true. As you see, the gospel is a gospel of words. It's a message we established earlier. It's the good news that needs to be proclaimed. And how can you proclaim through actions? Maybe sign language, I don't know. But <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> It's a gospel of words. Here's what maybe what Paul means when he's talking about being unashamed. For Paul, being unashamed meant having zero shame. Remember that emotion of shame? Having zero shame when it came to the person of Jesus. For Paul, this looked a little different because people actually remembered Jesus being on earth. It was very recent. It was very recent. Uh, Jesus' life was very recent. So for him, it meant having zero shame in the person of Jesus. Also, it meant being unashamed in the face of opposition, persecution, and suffering. We see this a lot of times. Uh, Paul is persecuted for the sake of the gospel. It meant being unashamed and with that opposition there. Very physical opposition. And many Christians today are dealing with that. And also meant being unashamed with all people. In Paul's context, this was Jews and Gentiles. Paul says the gospel is a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. And for us, so Paul's getting opposition from both sides. And for us, it means we have to be unashamed in front of all people. Some of us are very unashamed in front of our family, but not our friends. Maybe vice versa. But Paul didn't pick sides and who he was unashamed in front of. Another one, I want us to consider what we said Paul's mission was. We said Paul's mission was to spread the gospel, to equip the church and equip people. Being unashamed for Paul meant actively and verbally sharing the gospel. To be willing to spread the gospel and hold no shame in that. Not just willing to act, but willing to share. It meant evangelism. The word evangelism literally means spreading the gospel. This was Paul's action that he did wherever he went. Now, a couple years ago, it was Canada weekend. I was at a Blue Jays game in Toronto, and I got this notification on my phone that the Leafs, yes, I am a Leafs fan. Please don't take me away from the pulpit. 
that the Leafs had signed John Tavares. This was big news for us. And I got the notification on my phone. I'm like, you got to be kidding. And I looked up. We're in the middle of an inning. And you know how boring baseball can be. So it was pretty quiet. And all of a sudden, in the middle of that bat, I'm like, the person at bat right now has no clue what's going on. This, everyone's get, is standing up. People are giving high fives. I think I gave like 10 strangers a high five. And we're all cheering in the middle of this baseball game. The, this good news that John Tavares was just spreading throughout the whole stadium and on the way home on the go train. Everyone was talking about it. The place was buzzing with this good news. Now, I don't think that's normally an accurate picture of what it's like when we try to spread the gospel. Imagine if you were there and the Montreal Canadiens just signed Brendan Gallagher. I don't think you're going to see the same response in that stadium in Toronto. There might be a few people there who would share in that good news, but it wouldn't be as easily spread. People wouldn't latch onto that. That's a bit more of an accurate picture of what it's like for many of you. I know it's Montreal. This is everywhere, though. You might be in a workplace of 200 people, and you are the only Christian there. You're the only Christian. You're the only believer there. But I also want to say that Paul was unashamed of being a part of the body of Christ. And there's a few sides to that. Because being a part of the body of Christ means that we're a family. Think about Westside. This isn't just a place to go to on a Sunday. It stretches beyond these walls. We're a community of fellow believers that are here to support one another. In grade 11, I was in this history class, and I had this teacher who was made it his mission, probably even more than teaching history, to share, (laughs) not to share, sorry, to reject my faith and Christianity and Jesus. He literally said, he promised me at the beginning of the semester that at some point I would reject my faith. I would reject my belief in Jesus. It was his personal vendetta. And he led the class in many uh, debates and discussions. Again, I, don't, I still don't fully know what has, this has to do with... Uh, it was uh, maybe a bit of a side, a side thing. But there were a few other Christians in the classroom. I was in a fairly Christian community, but they weren't speaking up, and I wasn't for the longest time. And I was just taking it all in, and eventually I decided to speak up. And when I did, I was immediately met with resistance from him and a number of other people and kids in, or youth and teenagers in the room who were willing to put their neck out there to reject and ridicule the faith that we had. I felt very alone. I was the only one there, and I was getting resistance from multiple people. But then I also think, this past spring, the Watleys taught me this game. And it's this game, it's a firefighter game, sorry, I don't remember the name of it. Uh, Nathan and Stephanie could tell you. And it's this game where you work together. And I was, this was new for me. I also learned this game called Magic Maze at the Manifo household. Pastor Dave, if you remember in the spring, was talking a lot about Magic Maze. He loved this game. And it's these games where you work together. Now for me, I struggled at first with these games because I am a competitive person. For anyone who's ever golfed with me, played hockey, played soccer, played Settlers of Catan, you know I'm a competitive person. This was a new concept for me. But these games, you work together. And at the end, there was this feeling of success, of... uh, accomplishment, because we did it together. We won together as a community. And here at Westside, and even broader than that, as the body of Christ, we are in this together. 
We are here to support one another in this. Remember, Jesus did say the, uh, to the disciples, the world is going to hate you because of my account. We're not changing that situation, but we can approach that situation together. Being unashamed, we don't have to be unalone in this. We don't have to be alone in sharing the gospel. We can support one another in this, equip one another in this, teach one another in this. We're a community together. We're the body of Christ. We're not alone in this calling. It can seem daunting, but that's why we have each other. And also, even past that, Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going to give you the counselor. I'm going to give you my helper, the Holy Spirit. And we have been given the Holy Spirit within us to be with us. We are never alone. Us at all times. We have the Holy Spirit with us. John 16, Jesus says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. We have the calling to be unashamed, but we can take courage and stand firm in these truths. Jesus has already overcome the world. Even though it's scary for us in the moment, we know that Jesus is greater. I just want to leave you um, with this prayer. I just pray that I can encourage you um, to go this week, maybe share the gospel with a friend, be encouraged what that might look like. Think about how you can maybe change to what being unashamed really, uh, really should look like. And I just pray that Jesus will encourage us in this, and as a community, we can do this together. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to come here together. Thank you for this opportunity to look at what it means to be unashamed. God, we're so thankful. We're so thankful for this community here at Westside, and even broader than that, that we have the body of Christ here on earth, the kingdom here on earth, God, that we can turn to one another for support and help, that we can equip one another as Paul in his mission was equipping the church, Lord. Allow us to follow that mission of equipping one another and encouraging one another. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're with us every step of the way. And God, open our eyes to what it means to be unashamed. Open our eyes to be actively unashamed, not passively unashamed, God. Allow us to take action. Show us what you want us to do. And I want to echo the words of the psalmist says, My health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. God, thank you that you can strengthen us in this calling. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. Amen.